I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome back to Unashamed. We, uh, Jace is uh, out on assignment. We got him out. Uh, Zach, he's out there uh, coming up with some stories that he can tell when he comes back. You know, every once in a while you got to send him out there and just let every stuff happen to him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to fuel the hey, podcast. Hey, I, I was thinking about the, uh, the last episode. You guys were talking about the Mississippi River. Uh, Jay Stone quoted the philosopher Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> yeah. about the Mississippi River. She's a going dry. Yeah. And there's a I, I read an article that there is a sunken riverboat, which used to be, I believe, a casino, I believe was the story. Oh, like one of those paddle sunk. wheel? Yeah. Yeah. And it sunk to the bottom of the Mississippi River. Well, the Mississippi River is so low that the entire thing is exposed. <laughs> I thought, now that, there might be some treasure in there. Now, that'd be the place to go, Jay. You know somebody is doing that. So, uh, somebody. Got to be. Yeah. Looking into that. And apparently there's a there's a there's a mountain uh, in, in the middle of the Mississippi River that's also exposed. And I've, I saw some pictures of like like people at the bottom of it, and it's like this huge like rock. I forgot the name of it. Well, it's funny because I, I I didn't really know all this, and somebody was telling me this just recently about the river. But I, I my only link to it, not really being aware, not watching the news, I guess, is when I would cross over at Vicksburg. You know, but that's a big, wide, deep part of the river back I kept I said man I hadn't seen this much sandbar in Vicksburg Mississippi but I just I didn't think about it that what what that meant north of there because there's still a lot of river there you still can get up and down it but I, I guess when you get far enough up you can't even get the barges up up and down which is crazy when you think about it well I'll be driving over it on Sunday I'm headed y'all's way yeah that's right coming in he's used weather before to bring nations down yeah that's true and and certainly there's some crazy stuff going on here. Yep. Like you said, you know, it's people try to make it all one thing or another, you know, which is, but I mean, it was, it was a bit of an ice age coming before. Now it's yeah. a, you know, now it's the heating and blah, 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 you know. All well, maybe Jace will, maybe Jace will, will bring back some good stories. Um, it's definitely, you know, when Jace is here, there's never, there's never like an awkward moment of silence. It's like every man for himself. You try to fit in. So we may have a respectful conversation. Look at that, Al. Wow. Nice. He just, uh, he just put some pictures up for us from the, uh, unbelievable from the internet. There's that mountain you were talking about. I see Zach. You see it? Yeah. And there's the, I see the paddle boat. He found all that. Yeah. That's incredible. I had no idea. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm anxious to drive across to that bridge but in Vicksburg you know, to see what it looks like. And I'm thinking how much people like pump out of the river, probably for for uh, for oh. farming and all. I mean, there's got to be oh, it's got to be affecting a lot of stuff. Oh, it's, it's affecting a lot of stuff. That's pretty amazing. Well, that Mississippi Delta is. You start looking into the history of the Mississippi Delta and the river and the Army Corps of Engineers. I mean, it's. I mean, what 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 has happened on that river is and and just coastal erosion. I mean, it's been a big political issue in Louisiana. Just how I mean, it's yeah. There's a it. I mean, two, it drains two thirds of the United States of America. That one river, right? That's where that's where the water ends up. If I'm not mistaken, Jace is actually they're filming their show down there at the at the bottom um, this week, I think. But we'll find out when he gets back. But you know, you because you think about that, just like what we're talking about. If for a guy like him, for what they're doing with the treasure hunt, there's no telling what all you find. Think about how many, how much stuff has been going up and down that river for how long? Oh, oh. I mean, you're going back. You know, the the reason that there's this poverty point over here, which is just maybe less than an hour away from us, which the way they described it, you know, it's a couple of big old mounds out there. When I was taking Louisiana history at ULM, the, the way the guy described it, it was it was a commerce center. It was it was a a Walmart and a Sam's, but back in the days of Native American. And so they would come down the river, you know, Mississippi River first, wind up over here, you know, because it's it's about an hour or maybe that's less than that, 30 minutes of Mississippi River. So they would trade, but but they found stuff over there that's, you know, originated in Canada, Minnesota. So all that stuff would come down and then they would trade it. So there was like the big Bonnie and Clyde trade days was just right over there. Just right off the river, so there ain't no telling what all you know. I know all the stuff they found, which is incredible. I mean, we're talking about going back thousands of years. It's pretty amazing. And even down in here, Dad, there's like a 
where's this the Watson Break? That supposedly that's one of the oldest sites in Indian structures, yeah. Indian mounds, Indian mounds that are just back in the swamp. You know, but that's where oh, yeah. they were back and forth. So it's pretty amazing. And you're talking about going back to like the days of Christ. I mean, we're, we're talking about yeah. 2,000 years ago. So it's, it's pretty amazing history uh, when you think about it. Well, speaking of history, uh, we're in the book of Mark. We'll try to do our best without Jace. I, I guess we'll get to uh, speak a little bit more, Zach. So you you have to jump in there without without Jace. I was talking to one of our listeners yesterday. And he was like, man, I, I just wish I could hear more from you, Al. But uh, I mean, Jace is good. He, he's really good. But man, he just, he never stops talking. I said, <laughs> so we could listen. I think we should just spend the entire episode just ripping Jace since he's not here. <laughs> well, that's not hard for me to do. It's one of, uh, it's one of my joys. And of course, we had a, uh, Zach, we had an episode uh, earlier this week that we did with the ladies. And uh, yeah. so we had all the wives. Yeah, that guy. yeah, it went great. We were following up because I thought we had a really rich discussion about marriage. Uh, yeah, we did from that from that earlier Mark ten. But I wanted to get the ladies' perspective and some practical in there too, because all of us and you and Jill have too. Uh, we've worked a lot with couples through the years and trying to maintain marriage and and avoid divorce. You know, which is we we talked about that relationship to that text. But I one of the things I love the most about when Missy's on here is cause she, nobody can make Jay squirm like Missy can. I mean, he he's he's Teflon Dime with all of us. He just deflects and whatever, it doesn't matter. But boy, she's got a way of getting in his kitchen. And it's it's a beautiful it's, it, a, beautiful it's a beautiful thing. thing. It's fun to watch because yeah, she, she had her list. <laughs> she did. <laughs> because Well, you know, there's hey, somebody Jack, said one go ahead. Somebody t- somebody told me, uh, I heard a pastor say one time that the, the greatest tool of sanctification is getting married as a good wife. And they said it's it's like driving a Mack truck through your life, but it's good because it I mean it holds you accountable. You know, you start thinking about <laughs> you got a good woman. They well, can they a, a woman a, a good woman or, or a good spouse. I'll say that can make you or break you. It's that's right. very important. What well, was funny, Zach? Cause so Jace was like he he gave he had said it with us, and I so I I, I admit I baited him into saying it in front of Missy, and uh, that you know because he says we all married the wrong person. That's his. That's his take. Uh, you brought that up. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. when I did, Missy said, oh, gosh. "What?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I w- when he said that to you, I was thinking about um, you know we did the thing at our church a while back called Reengage, which is a um, a ministry at a Watermark Church in Dallas. Yeah, and, we did. Yeah, um, yeah that was man so good. And one of the things they said in there that I thought was one of the greatest lines ever because you know everybody says that when whenever you're in a marital issue and you're like, you're on the brink, right. And you're married to this person that I don't even recognize them kind of thing. And you're like, I just married the wrong person. And, and I love that. They always quote that verse and, uh, and, I, and I never heard this before, but no, the God said, God, what God brought together, let no man separate. So if you're married, then even if you think it's I, this, I sort of know it, like what God brought together, let no man separate. And I thought, man, that's a, it's an interesting take on, on how we view marriage. And I think it ties into Mark 10 for sure, particularly what we're going to get into today in verse 32, because 32 is going to be the example of, of what Jesus is going to you know, predict that he's going to do to, for, for the love of his, of his bride. And it's like, but the, but the idea is man, that, that like we go into marriage so often, I think, and it's like, we can, we want to, we're going into it to consume something, you know, I want to consume this person is is like the we mentioned before the Jerry Maguire maybe going to complete me and and it just does when you go into it like that you're just setting yourself up for failure because nobody can no one can do that for you you know what I mean right and a good way to marriage, look at it there's uh my little wife Miss K there was a note on my on the on the chair leg where I sit mm-hmm. watching the ball games and Matt Dillon. <laughs> And there was a note there, and it said, you know, I'm going to town. She gave her a little update where she was going. She said, you are my best friend ever. And then right below that, it said, except for Jesus. (laughs) when When you're in a situation where your woman is telling you, you're not my best friend, Jesus is, but you're a close second. It made me feel better. That's good, man. Yeah, because the point of your marriage is, and this was revolutionary for me, is to understand the point of my marriage 
was to glorify God and and to experience Him and enjoy Him. And I I'd, I'd never seen marriage quite like that, you know. And it, it really was transformational for me and Jill when we started to pursue our like our marriage uh, um, intimacy in that way, like growing close to each other. But it was it was how do we how does this reflect who God is? And I think that's the context, really. Even Mark ten, I mean, the marriage stuff is in there, but he's he's getting at something bigger, which is this idea of of the first shall be last which came from his own nature, you know, of what he was doing when he, he came down and condescended and, and took on human flesh. Well, and I think so. that's why it started out. And we, I think we made that point clear, and the ladies did as well, that Jesus was painting. I mean, he was dealing with a situation where it was a, a, a legal question, and we know the purpose of it was trying to trap him. Could basically say Moses, he's either against Moses or, what, you know, they were trying to get him to trap him. So the whole context of what they were doing was to say, what can we get away with? And when you're looking at marriage, Jesus comes back with, why do you want to get away? This is a beautiful gift given to humanity. And then he even compares, as you mentioned, Zach, his relationship to us in the same context. It's that sort of intimacy. So he's like, he blows them out of the water. And really us, if we think about it, and then we talked about, you remember that a modern day legalism tries to go back and do exactly what the early legalists were doing. They try to create new law. Jesus is the ultimate uh, uh, verbiage when the, you see, saw the commercial, stay in your lane, bro. <laughs> that's right. I mean, exactly. pretty well, that's, that's, your, that's your, the way you should view Jesus, stay in your lane. That's right. Jesus, number yeah, one. He's number one. And everything, everything falls into place after that. And the same vertical relationship you have is a horizontal one with your spouse, with your brothers and sisters. And he's making an argument to the Pharisees. In other words, you're my friend if you do what I say. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, but you think about you think about the whole what's happening here in, in, in Mark ten with you, know, you got the rich young ruler. You know, we just talked about that as well. Um, you got the the the, the trap on marriage. Jesus is he's he's giving his disciples and the people around him a complete paradigm shift. And so they're coming in with a context. And I think this is really, really important to get about Jesus' kingdom. When he brought the kingdom, like we, everyone had a context. Everyone had a framework. They had a way that they thought things were going to be. And a context means that like this is the framework from which you operate. And so as long as you're inside our framework, you know, we're doing business the way we've always done business, then we can, we're, we're, we're okay with that. But what, that's not how Jesus came in. He came in with a completely different paradigm. A completely different context, a completely different framework. It started it with up- it started with I'm going to do some things over and over and over. I'm going to perform miracles after miracle after miracle, and in Matthew it's chapter 16 until he said, "Look, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to die, and in three days I'll be raised from the dead." In Mark, yeah. he starts it in chapter eight. He began to teach them the Son of Man must suffer many things. We rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. Just imagine if you're sitting there listening to him say that, and that he must be killed, and and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Peter's arguing with him. You turn one page, that's Acts 8. Acts 9, the Son of Man is going up to Jerusalem. He said it exact verbiage. The man, they will kill him, and three days later he'll be raised from the dead. Well, that's in chapter 9. You get to chapter 10 and verse 32, Al, is what you were it's, saying it's, today. It's, yeah, it's Mark. The, the yeah, son of man will be, must be, he's going to be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They're going to He's the same wordage, but the reason yeah. he waited to chapter 10 of all the, the, that's gone on from his birth God becoming flesh, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John all cover that to some degree, but Mark, it doesn't cover to the extent that like John does. But uh, but but the bottom line is, the the period is the same in all four gospels: Matthew, yeah. Mark, Luke, and John. Here's who I am, and I'm going to do some things that it is literally impossible for you to do. I'm, 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 but, but, but the bottom line is, I'm fixing to die. 
Right. And they were like, all these miracles and all the static up to now, <laughs> you're going to do what? Right. This was beyond comprehension. That they, they they're like I, I don't I don't even think they I don't even think they even processed they it. Didn't get I think it. it yeah, it wasn't even, I don't even think they said you're gonna do what I think they were just like, Yeah, 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 Okay, hey, Jesus, I wanna be the greatest. I wanna sit at your right hand. <laughs> yeah. My brother put him put him at the yeah. on the other side. He's like, Did you not it's like they're having this conversation and Jesus is like, Look, here's what's about to happen. Like you said, he's repeating it over and over again. He's teaching them about humility. He's the humility of himself, even. I mean, he's like, this is what's going to happen. Like, there will be, I'm going to die and I'll be raised and all that. And like the gravity of what he's telling them, like the fact that as soon as he tells them this, they don't even acknowledge it. They just go into this question about who's going to be the greatest again. I mean, like they're, they're stuck on positional authority, they're stuck on positional power and jesus is like you don't understand who god is who i am just think He's about it that, hang, on, when, dad, when, hang on dad let's take a break so we've been having fun with uh, one of our new sponsors it's a group called established titles and it's kind of a, a novel way to they're doing a good thing they're preserving the woodlands of scotland they're also helping global uh, reforestation efforts, which is needed, you know, around the planet. So we're, we're, we love what these guys are doing, but it's a project that's based on a Scottish custom where landowners are referred to as lords and ladies, mm. and so it's a way to become a lord or lady. And you get a, basically a square foot of dedicated land. It's got a unique plot number. It's on a private estate in Edelston, Scotland. Jason and I have been there. The whole family has. We filmed over there. And you get an official certificate and a crest. So you've got this sort of ceremonial square foot of land. And every order that they get, they're going, they got some charities, one tree planted, uh, trees for the future. They're going to do reforestation around the world, not just in Scotland, but around the world. So it's a good thing. Um, I guess we'll build our own little unashamed kingdom over in Scotland. So it makes an amazing last minute gift. It is something unique uh, that people would love. Established Titles is actually running a massive Black Friday sale right now. Plus, if you use the code Phil, you get an additional 10% off. So go to establishedtitles.com slash Phil. Establishedtitles.com slash Phil to get your gifts now and help support the channel. When he announces, look, in chapter, chapter 10... Chapter 10 and verse 32 and following, when he announces what he's fixing to do for the third time in a matter of days, it said, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. After they heard this for the third time, I'm going to die, be buried. They're going to spit on me. They're going to kill me. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> Look, we got something. We're going we're gonna to get you lined out here on what you just said. Uh, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. Well, he's already told them what he's going to do for them, Al, but it involves his death, and they're saying, you need to, we, we, we need to get on a different track here. What, what, what are you talking about? They got, they got a big reservation in their mind on, they're, they're not buying it at, right. right here. No. We, we, we're going to tell you what, the way it's worded, it says, James and John, teacher, we want you to do for us Whatever we ask. Well, what a statement on a on a on a on a person who just and been working miracles for weeks now and months and warning about the kingdom and what's going to happen to him. They said, "You need to listen to what we fix to tell you." We ask. It, it's it's pretty amazing. Well, and of course, it's when you read the Matthew uh, version. It's even worse, Dad. Oh, in Matthew I'm, twenty, because actually, it her, their mom is here. Mark doesn't record it this way, but the mom actually is with them when they come in. She's like, uh, which is worse, by which, the way. It's that worse, is much worse. Than <laughs> yeah. Your mom become oh, nothing worse than that. I mean, it's like you know, your mom coming in because you know you're you're too ashamed, which you should be. But Zach, to your point, yeah. and, and Dad too, all three cases in Mark eight, nine, and now ten. All three times he told them this, the next section every time was an argument about who was the greatest. That's right. It's three times in a row. That's right. Because the other time, remember, they were arguing the mount. Jesus went up on the mount with, with Peter, James, and Johnny. They're comes, not grasping what this is all about yet. No. 
They're, they're not. And I think the miracles have almost had a counter effect on the disciples. Part of it is to, to show them who he is and his power. But what, yeah. what they're seeing is, oh, man, we are fixing to be running this place. And this is just yeah. before they all exit the premises. That's right. When they see yeah, yeah. the beginning of what he said he was going to do for the first time, they're like, we out of here. That's right. Everybody takes off and goes the other direction. I mean, which is amazing. Uh, yeah. Not a one of them said, well. Go ahead, Zach. Now, listen, listen to what he listen to what Jesus how he responds to him, which is so powerful. He says, you don't know what you're asking. <laughs> and, and you you, you want to you, you want to be with me. And you're like, I want to be at the right hand and I want to be at the which is funny. You think about what he's about to do. And he's going to hang on a cross. And there will be someone on his right and someone on his left. Yeah, and thought about I that. I think Jesus is he's he's saying you, you don't understand like what you're asking for. And he says, Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you shall drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized. But to sit on my right or my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. And I, I, lo I love how Jesus responds to him because it's like this rhetorical question. Like, you don't you don't know what you're asking, but it also you see kind of like that prophetic Jesus knowing the future. He knows that, that he, these guys are going to, I mean, these are going to, they're going to suffer. You know what I mean? For him, they don't understand what he's saying yet. They're, they're probably thinking, oh, yeah, awesome, man. We're going to be. You know, do the same thing he's doing, and I, just a few few moments later, we're gonna. They're probably thinking, "Uh oh, is that what he meant by that?" You know, <laughs> that, that's not that's not like what 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 I had in mind. But I think the key is when we read all this, we have to. And I said this, I, I've said this a lot on this podcast, and I want to say it again because I think it needs to be repeated. That that when Jesus talks about like humbling yourself, when he talks about becoming last so that you can be first when he talks about uh, it's better to give than to receive and if you want to you know uh, gain your life you have to lose it and all of those kind of contradictory seemingly paradoxical statements what Jesus is telling us he's he's giving us a glimpse into what real fulfillment is and real fulfillment and wholeness and and to, to be to have live it live in like context with what you were created to be it's not to be a self-centered, selfish consumer. It's to it's to live life with this overflowing. While you're so there, you get while you're there, he's trying to make the argument what I'm going to do, and the apostles have not seen it yet. This I'm going to do. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's 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 that that's what I'm going to do. That they couldn't grab that, it, the, the, you know, somebody dies and it's a gift. You're like, well, they yeah. got rid of it. He said, I'm going to die and be raised from the dead. And trust me when I tell you what he's really saying here, it's a gift. Yeah. I don't have to do this. Well, and that's why I think it's interesting, Zach. You, you mentioned the imagery here. They're arguing with the gift. The imagery he uses. I, I hadn't thought about that, the idea of the right and the left, that there were going to be those two thieves hanging on the right and the left. But then even when he talks about the baptism— it is, I assume he's talking about the idea of being put to death and then being raised to live anew. He's going to experience that, and so are they, he yep. says. I think that's what he's talking about. And probably he's wanting them to realize what happened because his baptism was when the Spirit of God came down on him. He's tying that together here. Well, and even think about them when they get into Acts 1 and 2, <laughs> when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. What is it? Same deal. It's Same like deal. Falling on them. The gift is being made yeah. manifest. The, the right. gift is unfolding. Yeah. What he said, that's what's happened. But even think about that idea, Zach, the cup. You know, he's, he says, can you drink from the cup? And I think about that image where they put the, they try to get him to take a drink, you know, up on the cross to ease his yeah. suffering. And he's like, nope. Yeah, all the miracles he performed, none of them was as, what's the word? as, as uh, uh, credible and beyond comprehension is I'm going to die. And in three days, I'm going to be raised from the dead. Right. Yeah. So, so he's, so Jesus is predicting the gospel as 
Paul defined it in First Corinthians fifteen, right? right? That the right. gospel That's right. is the the death of all of the text Jesus. about the gospel goes back to this right here. What he said right yeah, here in the imagery, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's he's predicting it. So when he gets into the conversation about uh, the cup and baptism, which is interesting because we those are whether you view them as a sacrament or an ordinance or maybe a combination of both. That that the church still does this, right? We do That's this right. every our church does. We do baptisms whenever anyone comes to Christ. Yeah, they're not quite we, sure how they're going to be extricated and brought into this. They're still wrestling with, they're, they're watching all these miracles, but yeah. the one he's fixing to pull off, now that one, you're like, that, that's me dying. And, it's, yeah. and you live because of that. They're like, what? It's just a concept that's hard to have wrapped your head around. Yeah, or that it would well, it be is. better. But, but I, let me read you this real quick, and, and we we sometimes I for, take it for granted because we quote this so much. We probably should just read it. When you think about it, Jesus says you're going to be baptized with the baptism that I'm I, that, with my baptism, and, and here here here's the the reference here. The later on, this was not written yet when Jesus said this. This was written later on by the Apostle Paul, which says, "What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so the grace may increase? May it never be." How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, have been baptized into his death? Yep. So there's your first, that's the first thing Jesus predicted yep. in Mark 10, that's 32, right. is that I'm going to die. That and it overrides says, all the other miracles. It overrides. It does. And, 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 it, and it's our entrance into his kingdom, yep. right? Yep. Therefore, we had, those of us who have been buried with him, there's the second thing that, that he said he was going to happen yep. and what Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 15. Yep. Through baptism into death, there's the third one. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the, set, the first one again. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead, here's the third one. We too may be raised to the glory of the Father. So, so our baptism, what, and, and I think this is important, our baptism is connected. To the to what Jesus did on the cross, and mm-hmm. and and so is the cup. When we take the cup of the Lord and we drink this in remembrance of Him, yep. and we proclaim His death every Sunday morning at our church and, until the Lord returns, yep. we are proclaiming this through drinking the cup and when we participated in baptism and what that symbolizes. And I think that's what He's referencing here. Like <clears throat> you're connected, like like God wants to connect you with Him through the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And you have to do the same thing, right? You have to be buried. Because without that, without that, there is no immortality. There's somebody's got to, somebody's got to show you that can it be done? Well, there wasn't but one person who could pull it off. Right. He's basically telling them how many of you are going to die. And then three days later, you'll be raised from the dead. That's what's going to happen to me. Right. They're like, well, and you're, arguing, like you're yeah. wanting to say who's on the right or left. You said it's way bigger than that. Which is his whole which is the whole point. Let's take another break. So during the holidays, you know, you get these long days decorating and hosting and celebrating, you know, in your case, Jay's hunting. Hunting. Hunting on top of that. Nothing better than a good night's sleep and some buttery soft sheets. And that's one of our sponsors, Bowl and Branch. They're made from the finest 100% organic cotton you'll ever feel, a luxurious experience uh, that you enjoy every night. Uh, we've, been, we've had them for a while, and Lisa and I used them way before they were sponsors on the podcast. We love them. They're free from toxins, pesticides, so you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Um, they have designs and colors for every bedroom style and mattress size. They have a 30-night worry-free guarantee with free shipping and return. So if you don't love them, you can ship them back, but you will. Uh, they come uh, wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box, so it's a great gift uh, for someone, uh, and they'll love the experience of it. So this Black Friday, give the gift of a better night's sleep with Bowl and Branch. Get 25% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use the promo code Robertson at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code Robertson. The offer ends November 27th. You're exactly right, Zach. I mean, that's that 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 imagery is so powerful, and when you think about it, and and it, and of course, think back to the conversation he had had earlier from timeline with Nicodemus. He was he was telling him this, 
way you know early in his ministry he he already knew of course everybody's out of that. all the charlatans that's appeared and reappeared and been there and said this and said that none of them have ever come up with this one no saying i'm gonna go die and be buried and raised from the dead but what's so powerful is and you can you can be part of that <laughs> he's he's telling this he's giving us this imagery in a context of a discussion where these two guys think that they're that they got it all yeah. figured out. <laughs> yeah. You don't yeah. miss the well, point. <laughs> oh, they, they, they miss, they didn't just miss the point. I mean, they missed the whole, like, I'm trying to think of an analogy of like, Jesus is explaining something in a, in a, in a frame. And then they're interpreting it. I mean, in some, I mean, they don't even have a reference point for what he's saying. No, because what he's saying is he's like, no, this is not going to work out how you think. Like this, like it's going to work out, <laughs> yeah. and it's going to be amazing. And there's going to be great power that's going to come. But the, what you think power is is actually weakness. That's what right. you think heaven is is actually hell. That's right. What mm-hmm. you, you, everything that you, th- the, every, the way you think the world is is not how like, that you you do not understand reality. Yep. And I, I created real. I am reality, so I understand it because I am. Re- I'm the author of everything, the perfecter of everything. I understand it, and so he's he's painting this picture of of death but death to life and what true life looks like that's why i think when you get to the conversation about baptism whenever uh peter talks about it he says that it's a pledge of a good conscience towards god that saves you by the resurrection it's not the removal of dirt from the flesh it's not it's not the water it's the pledge of a good conscience towards god that saves you by the resurrection and i and i i've sat in that verse for years and thought man my conscience doesn't feel real clean and it never has. Right. I mean, like when I came to Jesus in baptism, I promise you, it wasn't because I felt, Oh, my conscience is finally clean. Now. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Yeah. I came to Jesus with a very guilty conscience. What helped me with that one is your conscience. You need to make one more step, uh, but you're a young buck. You got room to grow. But when, <laughs> when, when the Hebrew writer said, by one sacrifice, and that he said, "I'm gonna die, be buried, and raised from the dead." I'm. This is a sacrifice that's going to give yeah. you eternal life. You have been made by one by one thing. You're you've been made perfect forever. That means your conscience is cleared because well, of his death, bro. As you're being made holy, it's going to be a process yeah. on you getting better and better and better. But the, the 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 fact that I'm dying and being raised from the dead that's never happened before, and that's why from right now where we're reading two thousand years later, it's still the same thing exactly, you know, like like we're going to be some somebody great and we'll be over at his right hand or left hand. You said all this is is him being merciful enough to take our place to deliver us from sin. This is how God worked it all out. Dying, three days later, resurrection. So it is the greatest, well, I think that, it, it I, is the I, greatest story ever told. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's his point. I think that's Peter's point, Phil, what you just mentioned, the Hebrew writer. Like the reason why your conscience is clean is not because you cleaned it. No. That's right. It's it, you're, you're attaching yourself. We were made perfect forever. Yeah, by his sacrifice. Right. So that, that's, that's the whole thing about baptism. It's attaching you. You're you're being attached to Christ and His death and burial and resurrection. That's why He says it's the pledge of a good conscience towards God. If you leave off that last part, you don't get it. That's right. It saves you by the resurrection. That's right. It's, you're 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 getting connected with Him now. And oh, sorry, I'm cracking there. You're getting connected with Him now, and that so my confidence is not, man, I finally got it right. My confidence is He got it right once and for all. He got it right, and I can. And he and I can lean into his confidence. That's why when somebody when when somebody asks you, and this happens to me all the time, and y'all too, they say, "Well, you know, I think I need to be baptized." And I'm like, my first question is, "Why?" Because just because I think I need to be baptized, if if I'm not understanding what Jesus did, and that He has the ability to clear my conscience, that He has the ability to cleanse me. That's why so many have come to me, and they're still coming. They're saying, uh. Mr. Phil, they said, look, I was baptized, they said, when I was an infant. I said, who told you that? He said, well, some guy told me, you know, we're, we're getting rid of the, the sins. You get rid of your sins. But but they say, I, I, I was a baby. 
they said I was baptized as a child. So I explained to them what we're talking about today. And they say, that's what I thought. That's what's been eating at me. So I need to get this right. Yeah. So and this they, is what they bring up, the death, the burial, and resurrection. If you're not all in on Jesus. I, how would I have known that it's, at it's, four it's, days it's, old? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard for a four-day-old baby to pledge a good conscience towards God. He, that's he's right. not pledging anything. That's right. So, and, and, and that's I, when I it's more of what's done to you. And we even see that with adults. We've talked <clears> about this when we've talked yeah. about baptism before. It was like, uh, let's take another break. Zach, it was t- like the lady, I don't know if you were on the podcast, I was telling about the attorney I, that I yeah, talked I to. Jesus. So she, she said something amazing. She said, you know, I was baptized as an infant. She said, and I know enough already from my discussion with my son and listening to you guys that at some point I'm going to need to do that again. She said, but but she's thinking like an attorney, which I, and I complimented her on this. She said, but I, I don't want to do that until I'm all in on my belief in Jesus. Yep. I said, you got it. Cause she's seeking and she's searching. She's a wise woman. She's a wise woman. What she's, a lot of people say, well, let me just go ahead and get that. She's one out. of the smartest attorneys I've ever heard of. She's a, she's amazing. <laughs> and she's going to do it. She's going to submit to Christ. Well, Cause that's what you're, yeah. Cause you're dying to sell. But, but I think that the context here, of course, Jesus being the, 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 the greatest defense attorney ever because of his mediating work for us. He's, he did pretty good with the teachers of the law. Yeah. Every time he went up against yeah. them. So you want a lawyer, but, you're a lawyer, you ought to check this lawyer out. Exactly. Yep. But the but the but the quest for power and the quest for status and the quest for positional authority and all those things of Jesus is turning on his head. I love I love this last part of Mark ten because I think he drives it home in the most powerful way. It says, hearing this, this is in verse forty one of Mark ten. Am I hearing that hearing hearing uh, James and John, you know, one of his sit at his right and left, he says uh, that the uh, the ten begin to feel indignant with James and John calling them to himself. Jesus said to them, you know, that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. Mm-hmm. But it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. If you stop right there and said, "Man, okay, we're going to build it. We're going to build a movement that's going to change the world." And so, what's what's the core message? You must become a servant. I mean, you would think that's never going to work, right? Yeah, I, we're going to build a movement of servants. Like that's going to be the anchor and the bedrock. And the guy who built it, this is what he said. He said, "You got to be become a servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you." shall be a slave of all. So we're going to build a, a movement, and this is what you got to do. You become a servant and a slave. Yeah. He said, well, what, what about you? Are you going to do that? Are you, you know, you're, you're, the, you're the supreme being. Are you going to, like, you're, we're, we're just going to sit around and, and you're going to be running everything? And this is what Jesus says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There and I is. read that and I'm like, I mean, just, just sit in that reality for a moment that we talk about the expansive size of the universe and we've, we can get into all how big it is and how small the, you know, the, the nanotechnology and atoms and quarks and, you know, subatomic particles. And it just, just, you think of the vastness and the smallness of the universe and the, and the God of the cosmos that just said, let it happen and snapped his fingers and it happened. He just spoke and boom and existed. That God said that he did not come to be served, but to serve. What a concept. <laughs> you got to ask the, you got, you have to ask the question, why would he do that? And I think the re I think the answer is, is that inside of the Godhead, we, we actually can find this is the only place that we can find the keys to happiness, fulfillment and life is inside God himself, the author of all of that. And if and if he's for, for the joy set before him, the Bible says he endured the cross. So there was a joy that was set before God that would motivate him to come and serve. And the point is this, you're not going to find wholeness and fulfillment. And just getting what you can get, like the the way the road to fulfillment is the road to being a servant. That's what it is. And Jesus Himself 
is the example of and that. the why oh, of it powerful. the why of it is because he loves us to give his life as a ransom for many you say what would motivate someone to do something like that love 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 love, love was the mo- motivating factor in all of this you know, I find it interesting. I, he in, so loved the world. In this in this yeah. context, in chapter 10, you don't see this word much in the Bible. I, I need to do a word search on it, but it's twice the word indignant was used. Yeah. So the 10 were indignant with James and John. You, you know, you bring your mom in here. You're trying to one-up us and, you know, be in charge of us. And you know, there's all this, you know, bitterness and backbiting. The other, just earlier, the other indignant, you remember, was Jesus. And you remember why? Because when the little kids were coming, the disciples rebuked the children and said, get out of here. You kids, get out of here. You know, we, we, we got we got big business going on here. And Jesus was indignant with them. Yeah. But it's the same exact concept that when you put yourself in a position, of, try to put yourself in a position of authority over other people, that's when Jesus says, no. That's, you missed the, the whole point. serving part is missing right well you see it in churches too like you know people have issue with because there are there are passages in the bible where god gives certain people authority for example elders in the church have authority over the congregation but 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 i think so often we interpret that in, in a very worldly way when we think about what that looks like and and honestly there's a lot of church abuse that's happened over the years, but I think the authority that Jesus exercised and the, and the kind of authority that an elder would exercise, it's, it's, it's being a servant first. Well, I mean, it's, and, it's getting at the and, bottom. And dad and I are both elders. Zach, you're exactly right. And my, my take has always been, I only have authority that you would give me. In other words, I can only help yeah. shepherd your life if you're willing and want me to do that. If you don't, I have no authority. You know, a hundred percent. Yeah. We, we say at our church that the, the, the only authority that we have as elders is the word rightly lived and the word rightly preached. That's taught. Right. Like we can't, I can't like, I don't have any, I have no like authority over somebody's life and to say as an elder in our church and say, Hey, no, you got it. Like, no, it's like, I just point you to what God says. Interesting little text. When, when uh, the apostle Paul is talking to Titus, a person, an elder, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. You say, well, mm-hmm. the trustworthy message is what we're looking at in Mark 8, 9, and 10 and all the rest of the Gospels. Hold on to that so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine, which was not what James and John were speaking of, and refute those who oppose it. So... Even in leadership, you have to understand we're here to serve, not the other way around, not to condemn, not to be the big shots and the big dogs. Nope. Hold on to that trustworthy message. God so loved the world, he sent Jesus so that through him we could have eternal life. Which is, uh, let's take our last break. When you think about it, he used the example of the Gentiles lording over meaning these you know realms and kingdoms that you see that's right and he was like we don't we're not doing that they didn't know what the message was but, no. you know, but you know what hit me dad we, we talk about this a lot on the podcast and you do a lot and and when you do speeches and stuff is that our founders had that idea about even our physical kingdom you know called the united states because you remember when they wanted to make George Washington a king? Yeah. Because everybody, that's, that's what that always had. So they were like, we need, we need a king. George Washington, you, you, you led us into the revolution. We want you to be a king. He said, no, we're not going to have kings here. We're going to have servants. We serve the people yep. because the people are in charge of the country. So the idea was said, now we've, we've moved way away from that. Yeah, John Adams had it right. Yeah. The Constitution <clears throat> was written for our moral and religious people. Yep. It's wholly inadequate for any other. It, you, if you, if you get rid of what we're discussing today, you, 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 you're gone. A representative 
republic, the idea was they serve us, the people. Yeah. But but we've gotten away from that now. The problem with kings they is the they die and they stay dead. <laughs> exactly. Until the final yeah, resurrection. That's a, and, that's a, and, and, and that's and that's quite the problem. But you know, uh, but you understand in, in our culture, you can understand why we have a hard time understanding this teaching of Jesus when from an early age, an early age, I was I was just catechized by repeated advertisements that were like Sprite, obey your thirst. That's right. Obey my thirst. You know, like, like it's obey <laughs> what I'm thirsting for. That's or, right. you know, Burger King was like, have it your <laughs> way. I'm like, yes, my way. You know, and all, I, every right. single advertising campaign. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like, it's all like you, whatever you want, it's about you. And so you're, you, that, that over time, when that's all you're ingesting at every place in, in your, in your life, and you're not doing any spiritual formative exercises to train you differently, you're going to hear this teaching from Jesus. And and I mean, even now, like I, I feel like I work, I have to work towards understanding this and living this out and experiencing it. But I mean, I'm, I'm just scratching the surface of it. And I don't care the ho- most holy guy among us, to your point earlier, Phil, like I don't care how holy you are. It's a process. You, you're only scratching the surface of what God has for you. You're only That's scratching right. the surface. And, and if you and hold you know on this, to you, the serving part, you're way better off. You're way better off when you serve people. I had an encounter the other day with a, a young girl that was my wife had volunteered us to do something. I'm not going to get too many details on it because for privacy, but she had volunteered our family for an act of service, and I was kind of like, uh, <laughs> you know, like honest, I was just like, oh. And it's so funny, though, I, I went and I got involved and it's going to be a bigger commitment than, you know, even I think she thought. But, man, like the experience that I have with this young lady and and just seeing like, I don't know, like God just like moved in this conversation and seeing like for the first time in her life, she had a, a glimmer of hope. And it didn't come through a great sermon I preached that she came to. It didn't come from money that I gave her. It didn't come from, it, it literally came from an act of service, that, like an act of service that I'm not, I'm, I'm giving my wife the credit because I was reluctantly and begrudgingly, <laughs> you know, submitting to it. But it was like, man, I left there just thinking, gosh, that was awesome. And I'm like, why do I not do, why, why am I, why am I so selfish that I never, I, I just like, I won't do stuff for people because I'm just selfish and I'm missing out on opportunities like that where I can really see life emerge. Great point. I think that's what Jesus is getting at. Great yeah, point. and I think it, that's why you recognize that anytime you're giving, you know, it's you you the re, what you receive back. I mean, that that feeling you had, Zach, was because you gave. That's what serving is. It's giving to people, whether you're giving them time, whether you're giving them effort, yeah. money, whatever. And so that idea really is powerful that it's it's more blessed to give than receive that concept because you do receive you receive the idea that this is this is something bigger than I am holding on to the message takes on new meaning when you it does when the message is eternity and I think that's on. why so many churches lose that concept because they they become exactly what he's saying don't do Yep. I mean, the the greatest among you should be the one who serves the most. Who, you know, yep. that's 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 true leadership, right? It's not just yeah. the person who tells you what to do all the time, which is you know what happens a lot, unfortunately. And that's where you get this well, abuse. I mean, think, think about think about somebody who who says, "I'm not going to do that. I'm not like that." That's ridiculous to become last, like to serve. Like they, they you hear that and you think, "No, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do what I want to do." And I'm going to do what what Sprite tells me to do. I'm going to obey my thirst. And I mean, if I want it, I'm going to have it. I'm going to drink it. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to consume it. And I will put no limits on myself whatsoever. I'm going to get what I want. And you just ask yourself this question. How do you think that would work out for you? If you just, un, just I'm, if I have an appetite for it, I'm going to go get it. Whew. There would not be a man among us that's married for sure. Right. right. He yeah. wouldn't. As, I mean, like, like, it's, so it, you like everybody has to recognize this on some level and the, the truth of this. And then if, if we can recognize it on any level, maybe we should consider that we should recognize it on all levels and particularly in the level of which in the context what Jesus is bringing it to us in. So, so in Hebrews 12, 12, two, <laughs> I'll say this and, and, and we move on. Hebrews 12, two, when Jesus when it says, 
for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I think that's what this that what that joy that set before Jesus that gave him the motivation to endure the cross. I think this is what it is. I think it's what we're discussing right here. And so we need to tap in if we're going to take up our cross and follow Jesus, which is what you know he said to do, then we and that's going to be painful at times because we're going to sacrifice, we're going to say no to things that we want. We have to have a motivation of, of a joy set before us. And that joy that's set before us is intimacy first with God, and then we can have that with each other, real community. You're exactly right. And it made me think of my, one of my favorite life texts was Paul to the Philippians in Philippians 2. And it really sums up exactly what we're talking about in this in this section. And it's when Paul said, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, there's that idea about him in us, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. How, Paul? By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So I think about that text that so powerfully shows you what kingdom living looks like, and that is kingdom marriages, kingdom relationships, you know, in, any relationship. You see he mm-hmm. lays it out so plainly. It's about someone else being greater than me. In this world, we're like, because in this world, we are like him. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The man who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. So that's the motivation. And that's exactly what he said. For God's the Lord of the world. Yeah, and, and and I love this line too that love covers a multitude of sins. Yep. And I've been thinking about that lately as I've looked around. I thought, man, you ever see people that have moral character flaws and you know them very well? And you, in fact, probably we we all of us on this podcast right now know each other's character flaws probably fairly well because we've all lived together forever. But but it was funny as I think about y'all and I know your sin struggles, but I also see the the harvest. And I say, man, and I always think about that, like love, because you love people yeah. and you love God. And and I hope that's like my own sin and my own character flaws, my own moral failures. Man, lo- I love people and I love who God, I love who God is and I love his people. Man, love can cover up a lot of character flaws. It's, you know it what I mean? It, it drives out, it, it drives out fear, Zach. Well, it's a, it becomes the great reset. That's how you, people say, well, how can you forgive somebody for hurting you so bad? Because of love, because I love them. Because yeah. uh, you know Christ looked past my weaknesses, I looked past others, it, and he and he looked upon all the suffering that he was fixing to do here, and Luke, and I mean in a Mark ten there, yeah. all these things he's done up to now. Now he unopens, he opens the door for saying, immortality has come y'all's way if you That's want really it. Powerful. So uh, we're out of time, but in the overtime, I, I want to talk about this last little section uh, before we get to Mark eleven. Because uh, we're, we're about to have a seismic shift when he gets to Jerusalem. But there's been a pattern that we've talked about over and over. It's a pattern of you know, him saying, I've got to die. Them saying, I want to be the best, the greatest. They're kind of looking at it like a long train. And they want to be up there where the big dogs are in the front seats and the best seat. They want to be in the engine. And I'm just and, happy to be on the caboose. That's right. Just, and then there's like, always, and this whole pattern has been, then there's been a miracle where someone who is blind can see. And I don't think that's on accident. So we'll talk about that in the overtime. BlazeTV.com slash unashamed. Use the, the promo code Phil. You get $10 off of your subscription. So follow us over uh, and get this last piece of the pattern. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.